Hello, I'm glad you're joining with me as we continue on with our book study. We're up to chapter 29 of Genesis. Today I'm trying out a new microphone. Hope it's got a good sound and will work out well for us. But uh, let's get started with our book study. Uh, chapter 29, starting with verse 1, we're going to be talking about uh, Jacob and Rachel and Leah and Laban. So verse 1 starts out, Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. So if you remember, uh, first his mother Rebekah, then his father Isaac told him to get out of the country. Uh, Rebekah wanted him to leave because that uh, Esau was threatening to kill him because of this, he stole his birthright. And Isaac didn't want him to take a wife from the Canaanites. So he's sending him over to his family in Haran. And it says here, it says he took his journey and he came to the land of the people of the east. And so he went over actually to Mesopotamia. And Mesopotamia is pretty long. It stretches uh, from uh, down in the, the southern part of Sinai Peninsula. And it stretches uh, northwest uh, quite a bit. So J Jacob didn't actually go east. He actually went north, but they were referred to as the people of the east. And it says in verse 2, it says, And he looked and beheld, or, and behold, a well in the field, and lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. So this is probably the same stone. Remember when we read the story about um, Eliezer going and finding uh, a wife for Isaac. Uh, Jacob was sent to the same place. He sent to Haran or the city of Nahor, uh, the area of Padanaram. And so this is probably the same well. Just now they put a great stone on top of the well. Someone is clearly trying to control who gets to use the water out of the well because they're, they're uh, watering their flocks and probably watering themselves also from this one well. And so he has come across his, probably the same well that Eliezer found. And it says in chapter, verse 3, And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. So when they wanted water, they took the stone off. They watered their flocks. They put the stone back onto the well. So they, so it was probably a pretty heavy stone. Probably took a lot of effort to get it off of there. And they were controlling who used the water. And verse 4 says, And Jacob said unto them, the, the people uh, taking care of these flocks of sheep, Jacob said, my brethren, whence be ye? And they said, of Haran are we. And so uh, in this day, you know, they didn't have a lot of road signs. Like we have a lot of road signs out on our roads, which tells where we're, where we're going, where we're coming to, where we're at. But when Jacob was traveling, and he was probably traveling from where he left from home down around Beersheba up to Haran, from what I've noticed from research is probably close to 800 miles, so it would be a two to three hundred, uh, two to three week journey, I mean, 
And so he, he sees these people around this well, and he just asks them, hey, uh, who are you and where am I at? And they were glad to tell him that we're of Haran. So he had made his journey to Haran. That's where he was looking for, and he had finally arrived. And verse 5, and he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. So he's finding out more information that, yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to be coming here to Nahor's family. Nahor is probably not around anymore, and Bethuel is probably not around anymore, but Laban, he's still around. He Laban, remember, is the brother of Rebekah. i got to try to keep all these people straight here. And, uh, and and they say, yes, we know him. It would have been very common for them to know each other. This was, especially in this time of history, they knew each other quite well because that's how they communicated things was by knowing each other and spreading the word around. And so verse 6 says, And he said unto them, Jacob said to them, Is he well? Is Laban well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel his daughter cometh with the sheep. Now, this sounds very similar to when Eliezer went to the well and met Rebekah. She came up there with the camels, and he already had, he had come with some camels, if you remember. And then he had asked God to, you know, whoever he spoke to, and if they would water his camels, that would be the right person. And Rachel watered all his uh, 30 camels, which was about 30 gallons per camel, if you remember. And so that was a huge amount of water. But this, this what we see here, yeah, Rachel came with her sheep, not camels this time. She came with sheep. Because over in the Middle East, it's very common for them to uh, take care of sheep. Uh, they uh, raise sheep over there quite a bit. And verse 7 says, And he said, Lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep. And go and feed them. So, what's happening here is Jacob's talking to these other these men out here that are guarding these other flocks of sheep, and he said, "Hey, it's the it's the middle of the day. It's not time to be gathering your sheep up to water them. That we do that at the end of the day." He says, "If you're going to water them, go ahead and water your sheep, and go ahead and feed them if that's what you're going to do. And then I'll add the words he didn't say. Then just get out of here." Because clearly, Jacob was wanting to spend some time with Rachel, and he felt like these men were in his way. And we've probably all been in a situation where we wanted to talk to somebody, and there's somebody else in the way there, that, getting in our way to talk to them. And so uh, verse 8 says, And they said, We cannot, until the flocks be gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. So again, there's, we can see from this verse that someone is um, guarding this well with this uh, big rock, big stone put on top. And so they're, they, they're not allowed to take the stone off the top until a certain time of day and the flocks are all there. That way they can guard the water. And then, then they're allowed to water the sheep. And Jacob then said, And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. So Rachel is taking care of the sheep. And verse 10 says, And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother,
Laban was, you know, the, Rachel is the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and his mother is, is Rachel. Now, watch what he continues to do. It's interesting. I'll read this again. It came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, that, that would be uh, Rebekah, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, again, that's Rebekah, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth. We'll talk about that in a second. And watered the flock of Laban. Again, he says, his mother's brother, which is Rebekah. Because Rebekah is his mother. So three times in that one verse, he's making sure they know that uh, he's related. His, his mother is Rebekah. He's making sure that they know who his family is. And I'm not just a passerby. I'm just letting you know that uh, who is my mother. And I have a right to come here and get water out of this well. He's related to Laban. And so and then he said, I, I wanted to come back to, he rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Though Those other sheep herders, they were saying they couldn't roll the stone away, at least not right then. So Jacob just went over by himself and rolled the stone off of the well. Now maybe he was wanting to show off for Rachel, show how strong he is or whatever the case may be. But he decided that he could roll that stone off himself and he went ahead and did it. And verse 11 says, And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. Now, this is an unusual event for this time in history. Uh, uh, Rachel had probably been never kissed by a, by a boy before, not in this society that we're looking at right here. And so Jacob just uh, comes over to her and kisses her. We don't know if it's on the cheek or on the mouth or on the head or what he did. doesn't really say. But then he lifted up his voice and started weeping. And uh, you got, got to put yourself in the place of Rachel at this point. This strange man who says he is uh, related to them, uh, to Ro Laban's sister, had just comes, comes over and just out of the blue kisses her and starts crying. So we got to realize uh, where Rebecca is on this, that she's probably very shocked. And I mean, I would be shocked if that happened to me. And I don't think these people that we're reading about, I don't think they're any different from who we are today, except they just lived a long time before us. And so that was probably a very shocking thing to have happened. And so verse 12 says, And Jacob told Rachel, that he was her father's brother. And so her father, remember, is Laban. And he says he's, when he says he's his brother, he actually means his brother-in-law or his nephew, I guess. Uh, if you move down to uh, verse 15, it says, And Laban said to Jacob, Because thou art my brother. And so either brother-in-law or a nephew However, you want to look at it there, I guess. Yeah, but he's, they're not direct, directly brothers, but you meaning we are family. The, the, the Bible is not lying to you, it's just putting it in a different way. They are brothers by, because they are family. And so, um, let's see, where did I leave off? Uh, verse 12. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother, or that part. 
and that he was Rebecca's son. And she ran and told her father. So he said, yes, Rebecca and, and uh, Rachel had probably heard of Rebecca because her dad, Laban, was her dad. And Laban uh, was related to um, Rebecca. He was the brother of Rebecca. I know it's a little bit hard to keep all these names straight. And you have to, it, it's a little bit easier if you have your Bible in front of you. But if, you, if you're struggling to keep up with who's who in the zoo here, uh, just uh, write down who, who these people are. It'll help you keep straight. If you take just a moment and write down who's related to who, and it will, that will also help you in the future. In fact, the very near future, when we get into Exodus and Leviticus and start talking about uh, the, tribe, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, in fact, I want to mention, you know, Jacob and uh, Rachel and I guess Leah and her handmaid, Bilhah, they are going to be the fathers and mothers of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so when you hear the statement, the children of Israel, well, Jacob is going to have his name changed to Israel. And so we hear the phrase, the children of Israel, it's, that's who it's referring to is Jacob. And that's coming up here in the future. Uh, not, not too long a future. And so let's keep going here in verse 13. And it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Laban all these things. So it's probably an exciting time. Now Laban is probably at this point Probably a fairly old man. I didn't, uh, in my research, I didn't see how old Laban is, but he's got to be in his 70s or 80s. He's not young. Uh, we do know that Jacob didn't marry um, Rachel until he was 40. And so um, that, that Laban had been around before. He'd been around quite a while, and it's been quite a while since anyone from the land of Canaan had been up here to Laban's place. So he's not a young man. And so he wants to hear all that's been going on in Jacob's life, Rebecca's life, Isaac's life, Esau's life. He probably hasn't gotten any information about Esau or anything that's going on. So Jacob has a lot to tell him. And remember, you know how it is when your family gets together, they all start talking, sharing stories. Well, that's what's happening here. Here They're telling everything that's been going on in Laban's area and everything that's been going on in Jacob's area. Makes sense to me. Verse 14 says, And Laban said to him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. His bone and his flesh meaning, yes, surely you are my family. And so he stayed with him a month. And uh, Jacob said to stay a month. And verse 15, And Laban said unto Jacob, because thou art my brother, or my, my nephew, or my brother-in-law, shouldst thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? So, uh, if you were to read this without that last sentence, it would almost sound like Laban was saying that you should, should work for me for nothing, because you're my, my family. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, should you serve me for not or for nothing? He's actually saying, tell me what it is that 
you want me to pay you for working for me? He, so he's not, Laban is not asking Jacob to work for free. He's just asking, how much do you want to be paid or what do you want to be paid? And he's going to tell him here in just a moment. I, I won't jump ahead. And verse 16 says, and Laban had two daughters. This, the name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. And it's verse 17. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And so uh, there is uh, some dispute as to what this phrase actually means about Leah was tender-eyed. Uh, there is definitely not a consensus about what it means, but uh, we don't like to do deductive reasoning here any more than we have to. We're, this Bible study we're doing is an inductive study. Uh, and let me just throw out an example of what the two different uh, ways of studying the Bible are. And the best way to study the Bible is inductively. So if we were doing a deductive Bible study, we would read this verse 17. It says, Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Uh, through deductive study, we could say, well, since Rachel was beautiful, and it doesn't say that Leah was beautiful, therefore Leah must have been not pretty. That would be a that would be deductive study. Uh, or we could say, well, she's tender-eyed. We ought, we don't exactly know what that means, but maybe that means there's something wrong with her eyes. That would also be another way of doing a deductive Bible study. Deductive Bible study has us reading into the text, which is very dangerous to read into the text. We never want to add to the Bible or take away from the Bible. We just want what the Bible says it is. And therefore, we want to do inductive Bible study. So here's what we know from this verse. And I just said this verse, uh, it has it's disputed you know, as to what it really means. But sometimes we don't know all what the Bible is saying. Sometimes we just have to say, we don't know and nobody knows and we'll leave it there. So let's do a little inductive Bible study. Here, inductively, we say, Leah was tender-eyed. So we know that Leah was tender-eyed, but we don't know exactly what tender-eyed means today. But we can say in, through an inductive Bible study that Leah is tender-eyed. And we can also say in, through an inductive Bible study that Rachel was beautiful and that she was well-favored. Now, if we read any more into this text by saying that uh, anything more about Leah, well, we're going to find out later that, uh, um, what's his name? I forgot. Jacob, is uh, he loves Rachel more, of course, but that doesn't tell us really anything about this verse so much. Of what it means about tender-eyed. So we have to be careful not to read into the text about like this example of being tender-eyed. We're just going to say, okay, she's tender-eyed. That's what we know about it. And we didn't read into the text. We didn't read out of the text. We just read what it states. And that's, that's what we're going to let it be. So let's move on to 18 now after we took a little de, uh, detour there. 18 says, And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. So Jacob is now saying what the wages are 
that he wants for working for Laban for seven years. He says, I want Rachel. I want you to give me Rachel to be my wife. And in 19, and Laban said, it is better that I give her to thee than that thou should that I should give her to another man to abide with me or stay with me. So he's saying, Laban says, I might as well give her to you, someone in the family, rather than giving her to somebody out of the family. And so uh, verse 20 says, And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had for her. I can understand that statement. If there's someone you're really in love with, you'll do about anything for them. And working the seven years for Rachel was not a difficult thing for Jacob to do. I know for my wife, I met her two years before we started dating. And she probably didn't even know I existed. I, I would, she was going to church at, at this church. And uh, I would drive out to, out to that church about once a month. I'd play the piano. And they were needing a piano player. And I'd go out there about once a month to see if, if my wife was, not my wife at the time, if my, my future wife was still going to church there. And I'd offer to play the piano for them. And so I would come in there and, and play the piano to see if she was there. And I checked up on her a little bit as uh, time went on. And in time, uh, she ended up asking me out, not, not the other way around. Uh, but we've been married a long, long time, raised our kids, raised our grandkids. Lord's been good to us, and I don't regret even a moment of it. And so um, let's keep going here. Verse 21, And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. So Jacob is getting ready to learn a hard, hard lesson on dealing with a very manipulative person. And that person is Laban. Laban is a manipulator. And he is going to manipulate uh, Jacob in, into getting more work out of, him, out of him. And also, he's going to manipulate him into getting both his daughters married off. Not in a good way. They're both going to be married to the same person. And God is not for uh, polygamy. But Laban, I don't think, cares about that. He more more concerned about getting rid of his daughters to into a marriage. So let's keep going here. Verse 22. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. So there's going to be a wedding. They're having a wedding feast and they're having a celebration. Makes sense. Isn't that what we do today? We have wedding parties. And uh, 23 says, And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, that is to him, Jacob, and he went in unto her. Now she was probably wearing veils and all covered up, and it was probably dark. He couldn't see her very well. And 24 says, And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah, his maid for and handmaid. So we, also uh, Abraham's wife Sarah had a handmaid, and Rebecca, if you remember, had a nurse or a handmaid. And clearly Laban. Uh, the family Bethuel or Nahor, uh, Laban here. These were not poor people. They had servants, which was, wasn't uncommon in that day, but they were not a poor people. And uh, back in the land of Canaan, 
Jacob was not a poor person either. He had a, a lot of uh, possessions that was given to him by his father Isaac. And, and let's see where I left off here. And uh, in 25 says, And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. All of a sudden, they get up, and it's morning, it's light out, and uh, Jacob says, Hey, you're not Rebecca. You're Leah. I didn't work seven years for you. And he said to Laban, What is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me or tricked me? And that, that's a pretty good question he's asking Laban. But Laban isn't too concerned about it. He wanted to get his daughter uh, Leah married off because she's not married yet. And, and listen to what he says in verse 26. And Laban said, it must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. So Leah was the oldest daughter and uh, Rachel was younger. And so he's saying that uh, the custom here in our land is that the older daughter has to be married first. Now, he could have told that to Jacob, but he wouldn't have taken her as a wife. But he did make, take her as a wife. And now, some say, well, he could have just bartered with Laban and, and gave her back and done something to uh, give her back. But the thing with it is, uh, he, she wasn't going to be able to marry another man now. She had already been with Jacob. And so, uh, verse 27 says, Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for thy service, which thou shalt serve me yet seven other years. So it, when it says fulfill her week, uh, week means seven. And so he's talking about seven more years, and then you can have Rachel. So he just got done working seven years, which he said went by real fast because he thought he was working for Rachel. Well, really, he was working for Rachel, but he was tricked into taking Leah as his wife. And so uh, now he's got to work seven more years. And so in 28, it says, And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, her seven years, and gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. Verse 29, And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter, his daughter, Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. So she's also got a handmaid. Clearly wealthy people. he got all kinds of servants. Laban's giving his daughter's handmaids to take with them. Probably been with them since birth. And so, um, after seven more years, that's a long time. That's 14 years in total. Jacob now finally gets uh, Rachel as a wife. And so, um, in 30, it says, And he went also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah. I, I wouldn't say that he didn't like Leah as a person, but he loved Rachel for a wife. But now, now Jacob is married to Leah and to Rachel. And uh, just because the Bible is showing something like this doesn't mean it's saying it's a good thing. It's not a good thing. God made them male and female, and he brought one wife to one man. And going back in the beginning of Genesis, going to um, chapter, end of chapter 2, you read where God married Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve and Eve. That's that's not what he did. And, but now we see Jacob, he's got two wives. So, 
uh, the world is moving further and further away from God. And so let's keep moving on here. Uh, 29, uh, I read 29, 30, 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Now, isn't that, isn't that interesting that if we go back to Abraham's wife, Sarah, and if we go to Isaac's wife, Rebecca, they were both barren. And, and so now here we see it with um, Isaac's son, uh, Jacob, and uh, his wife is barren also. It seemed to be a theme running through here that for each one, they needed God to intervene for them. You know, God will intervene for you if you need, if you need God. You, we need to learn to turn to God and allow him to do things that we need to be done. God wants to be there for us, but we don't put our faith in him enough. We've got to learn to let God be God and let him do the things that God does. Turn to him and let him do the miracles in your life that you're needing. I'm not saying treat God like Santa Claus. God is not a Santa Claus. But turn to him and pray, believe, have faith that he will do the things that you're in need and look for the answer. The answer may be yes. The answer might be no. But often the answer God sends is not in the form of what we ask for. But that he answered it in the way it needed to be answered. And we need to let God answer our, our prayers the way he wants to answer them. And keep your eyes open. Get your spiritual eyes open to what God is trying to do. We so often are only looking for the answer of, yes, I'll do it from God. When many times it's no, or many times he changes the answer to that he answers it in another way. But put your faith in God. He will, he will be there for you. Let's go back to our text. So we see that uh, uh, Rachel is is barren, but Leah's womb was opened in verse 32. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, surely, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. So she's thinking that because I've given my husband a son, he's going to start loving me more. Uh, but that's not always how things work, is it? Um, it's definitely not how things work. Uh, the name Reuben means behold a son. Uh, and uh, we shouldn't think that children are going to fix the problems in our marriage. Um, if we're having trouble in our marriage, we need to get those problems worked out, if we possibly can, before we have children. And we need to stay together and work out our problems and we can only work out our problems if we take it before the Lord. Don't, don't think that children will resolve the problem. If anything, children will make the problem worse. But trust God. Bring God into your relationship. And if he's already in your relationship, bring him further into to your relationship. And start submitting yourself to, to God and asking him for help. Pray with your spouse. Fast with your spouse. Read your Bible with your spouse. Let God be the most important person in your relationship, and he will help mend whatever the problems are that you are having in your marriage. He can do it. I've seen it done more than once. 
God can heal marriages. Now let's move on to 33. And she, Leah, conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And Simeon means heard. In other words, God heard her. So now she's had two sons. Leah's had two sons. And Rachel's had zero. Verse 34 says, And she, Leah, conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me or more attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name is called Levi. And that means, Levi means joined to. And verse 35, And she conceived again and bare a son and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left bearing. She stopped having children after this. And Judah means praised. So now what we see here is that Leah has had the first four boys that are going to make up the, of the 12 tribes of Israel. The Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. They are going to make up the tribes of the Reubenites, Simeon, uh, the Simeon tribe, the Levi or the Levites, the Levite tribe, and the Judahite tribe, or just Judah tribe, tribe of Judah. And so we see here, this is the first, the first four. There's eight more sons that are going to be born, and we'll be talking about that tomorrow. And so I hope you enjoyed our study today. That was chapter 29, and I will see you tomorrow.